this episode, I talk with Derma Casey about the growth of digital startups in Ireland and supporting that crucial period of early stage business development. Dermot had been working as a venture leader at the NDRC, a national accelerator program for digital startups. Dermot, you're working at the NDRC as a venture... Venture investment uh, leader. Venture investment leader, mentor, uh, wise, general wise person. Uh, tell us what that work is like. So, so uh, I, a friend of mine recently said, can you describe yourself in six words? So uh, coming up with a phrase, I said, I, I, I help ambitious people build the future. So uh, th- th- that's essentially sort of, sort of trying, trying to summarize not just the last couple of years in NDRC, but my career. So what, what I do is I work with early stage technology companies to help them figure out exactly what their customers are looking for in terms of, in terms of future value, help them determine their, their overall business strategy, technology strategy, product approach and get them to a point of early sales and into uh, and, and critically into funding so that they, they can fund that. So I've been doing that for the last uh, uh, five, almost five years through NDRC, which is a early stage uh, investor funded by the state. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so that's what I do. So this is a, an investment vehicle part supported by the Irish government that's really tuned to uh, developing early stage high tech, low tech, med tech, high tech. So, uh, so we 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 describe it as as, as a di- digital at the heart of the innovation. So these are all technology based companies. Uh, some of them have have very deep technology IP spinning out of the universities. Uh, so head diagnostics, which is a, a device for detecting concussion, was on the Sunday Business Post last week. Uh, and it measures ocular microtremors at the back of the eye and uses algorithms to analyze those. Uh, we have, you know, companies like Opening, which sold recently to ICMS in the US, which is um, uh, a, a, a career and 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 CV uh, platform for art, uh, artificial intelligence platform with some uh, unique deep learning models built into it. Um, and then we have companies in in travel tech, advertising space, uh, across 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 multiple different di- different segments. But the key across all of these is that uh, they're they're digitally driven and enabled businesses. Okay, so that makes sense. National Digital Research Centre. Yes, yes. Um, and of course, there are multiple pathways in, uh, th- through, and out of of the NDRC. Um, but principally, you're an acceleration environment, aren't it's, you? It's an accelerator. So we put small amounts of capital, which is uh, from 30,000 up to 100,000 into companies. We put all the companies through an acceleration program over uh, three to six months uh, and then help them get to the next stage of development. So it's 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 really getting to, to, to focus and support on stuff for a very concentrated period of time to, to, to move them in the right direction. Now earlier you were saying that you were you, you particularly are, are work to get these startups to the level of of defining their value proposition and getting the next round of funding, but we 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 hear constantly about the the need for these for any business in the in in the environment today to pivot and to re- respond and react to its its uh, client base or customers. Do you 
do you see that the the effort you put in sometimes they go one way and then they pivot later and if that's the case is the work that you put in at the early stage lost or is it something else that you're you're imparting to them no so so we 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 focus on customer intimacy so we focus on them being really really close to the customers and they may pivot a couple of times while they're with us uh so essentially there's no value without the customer uh now in, in some cases that is so if they have an existing piece of technology it's to understand uh where the most value for that technology is who which customers are most likely to buy uh why are they most likely to spend on this product uh and and, and figuring out those elements if they're if if they if if they're not locked into a specific t- uh, approach um uh they have a they have more flexibility in terms of p- pivoting and so on but it, it really is so our, our job is essentially sending out and talking to dozens of customers every week to really make sure what they're doing is 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 cost alt really really customer focused. How do you find existing investors feel when they see the business they invest in pivoting into a slightly different direction? Uh, <laughs> well, ultimately, investors really care about one thing: is a return, right? So if 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 by pivoting that business is going to make the investor the return. The investors happy with it. Uh, the, the the challenge for most investment, and particularly the stage we're investing at, so we're investing in pre seed stage, even at the seed stage that we the next stage that that companies uh, would 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 get maybe anything from half a million to a million in investment. Uh, a large portion, if not more than half of those companies, will will ultimately fail before they before they get to the next stage of development. So it's really, really, so our stage is, is extremely high risk. Even seed stage is very, very high risk investment. So investors are looking for, for, for companies that will uh, get essentially customer traction. So ultimately, customer traction is, 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 is how that, that value is actually defined. So shifting, uh, shifting customers or shifting markets is fine as long as it's, it's moving the, the, the company towards, uh, towards, towards, towards sort of profit, profitability. But these companies always probably have the the same challenge, and that is they don't have a lot of customers already, and yet they still need to design for a customer. How do you solve that quandary? Um, so they don't. Ha- so they don't have customers. So uh, th- there's a mix of things, right? So some of them are experts themselves. Some of them understand the 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 the, the problem intimately because they've come out of that environment. Um, now that leads to certain biases. Uh, in terms of their perceptions of, of of what the problems are, so part of what we need to do is we need to break them of those biases. So um, <clears throat> we break that down in a number of ways. So uh, we use sort of tools and frameworks uh, to help them think about uh, the the sort of the value chain of the industry or the or the sector that they're actually operating in. We look at uh, how that is digitizing where there's what I would say is where what's being commoditized and is low value, and uh, what's being productized and is potentially really really high value, particularly from a customer perspective. We then marry that with their own experience, and we tie it back then to what they're hearing when they're talking to customers. And the customer discovery is a very open process. It's not they're not coming with, "Hey, I have this. Do you like this?" They're going, "Can I chat to you about this area? What are you seeing in this area? Where's your pain in this area? You know, what would really help fix that pain?" Uh, and that that's how they're how they're approaching it. So the and 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 you know the reality is when you talk to people, people like to talk about the problems. Uh, the challenge the challenge for a company is when they discover that the problem is not important enough. You know, 
Um, uh, and what I've seen with co- companies sometimes is they'll go in and they'll talk to a customer and the customer won't want to talk about the area that they've come in to talk about. The customer wants to talk about another area. Uh, and they see this repeatedly. The smart companies and the smart founders will pick up on the fact that this, this thing that I'm looking at is not the right problem to solve, but there is a really important problem over here. Um, uh, and, and they'll and they and they'll, they'll they'll at that point they'll actually pivot into that in, into that area. Others will stick with the original vision of what it should be the problem and will ultimately fail because they're not actually listening to customers. That's interesting. I, um, with startups I've worked with, we've often had this uh, real tension internally. Do we really address the needs of this one big customer and essentially come up with a bespoke option for one? No. Or- <laughs> so that's a trap, right? So I, um, when I, uh, I, one of the talks I do in, 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 in uh, we do boot camps with them, one of the talks I do is uh, don't develop for a single, a single customer. Right, because you're not building a product business; you're building a service business uh, disguised as a product business. So I've seen examples where company A wants all these features, and company B wants a different set of features, and 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 a company will go down the route of doing that, and they they ultimately end up with multiple customized versions of 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 software, which more or less become other products. Uh, now there there is. <laughs> There's no problem with doing custom engineering for companies, right? So you'll do integration as part of what you're doing. So your core product needs to be integrated with the company's core products or, or with other third-party solutions. Uh, and, you know, somebody might be using Salesforce, somebody else might be using a, another a CRM a technology, and you might need to integrate with those. And you'll charge the customer, and that, that's, that's fine. It's when you're building core features differently for different customers, it's no longer a, one solution. So that's a, that's essentially it's 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 a trap. Can you talk about the role of jams and design sprints and rapid prototypes in these projects? I get a sense from people in industry that they punctuate the year rather than become a new way of working. But how does it work at the NDRC and with your startups? Uh, so- so, so we, we we are so we're continually iterating, right? So, uh, what what I what I say with NDRC is what what you know what 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 I do with startups is take the sort of eighteen to twenty four months that uh, it took me to find out the first time I was working in a startup, and try and concentrate that down into six months of learning, right? So that essentially is uh, is is constantly going back and forth between between you and the customer, and that may start out with uh, a you know your your first prototype might be PowerPoint. Or it might be a couple of web forms and web hooks hooked together to do something very, very simple. Um, so you're talking first to do the discovery, and then you are um, you're 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 iterating on on low fidelity versions of the product, and then you're actually building something. Uh, and the customer description changes and evolves as as you, as as you work with them with with, with iterations and versions of, of what you're doing. So. Um, as you deliver those into the market, you learn an awful lot more. So then you're going back and you're iterating again in relation to the the, the, the product you're actually building. So uh, so startups are in a constant uh, um, level of 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 test and uh, discover and uh, iterate based on 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 that feedback that they're getting. I would say probably for the first easily the first two to three years of their existence they're they're constantly uh, iterating that way 
based on on, on what the customer is telling them and, and really understanding the value of the use cases from a customer perspective. So the most valuable resource a startup has is not money, it's time, right? And the, the, mo- the, the rarest resource it has is time. So it, that's a constant challenge in relation to, um, in relation to how, you, how you create uh, things. So that there's, there's choices to be made. There's choices to be made about, uh, about, um, about how, you, how you build and how you do things. And um, eventually you, you get to a point where you have not perfect amount of resources, but reasonable amount of resources so when 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 you're pulling in uh, a few million as part of a round uh, as as you're starting to scale at, at that point you you know you have revenues coming in so you've started to validate in terms of what you're doing um you know your product is 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 starting to mature in terms of in, in terms of the direction that it's actually going in you 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 know you start to transition then so w- once you go beyond a certain number of people you start to transition from a startup into a company, and I I think that startup that that transition happens probably in around the twelve to fifteen people. Uh, Amazon talks about two pizza teams, so teams shouldn't be larger than two pizzas. I think startup once it goes through, you know, you need, you need to formalize an awful lot of structures inside in a company at that point, and start to put the the processes, the maturing processes in place that enable you to grow to the next stage of development, uh, and, and to enable to do all the things you need to do. It must be a, a quite a tricky stage to enter because it, it well let's say it's a clear transition with a funding round arriving, um, and there's the ten, the temptation perhaps to take a breather in effect uh, restore your and because you've done this exhaustive multi year stu- and and some of the founders will have been doing it for years before sort of at the back of their mind or as a private project it must be hard to keep everyone on the same sheet and it must be hard to keep that same pace and that same drive going yeah and i think look it's you know the 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 pace of the of the early years of a company you can you know you can't sustain those for 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 a decade right that's that, that's just not doable uh des trainer and intercom's actually written a blog post about that a year or two back uh, in terms of you know that so the intercom's grown to quite a large company this stage with you know 150 million turnover and x number 100 employees but you know, talking about those transitions that they would have gone through, and in terms of then, and then he's on sort of personal transmission as a as a, as a, as a leader of the company. Uh, one of the mistakes people make early uh, when when they're at that stage is 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 there's a sometimes there's a reluctance to spend money because they've been hoarding resources for so long, uh, even when they have the resources. So, so in some cases, there's a tendency to oh go wild and we'll spend everything. Uh, the other side is, you know, I'm I'm so careful about every penny that I'm 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 spending, that you actually don't take on key people at the right time, to enable you to 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 do the other things. So even hiring an office manager, so that the 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 CEO no longer has to buy the toilet paper and the tea bags, uh, because that that's the reality of it. Is at one stage you're you're in a design meeting with with your development team figuring out some of the stuff. Next, you're in a you're in a sales meeting with Google. Uh, trying to sell them uh, on 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 a piece of technology uh, that you're 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 delivering, and and half an hour later you're you're you know <laughs> you're you're running around the corner to the shop to buy the tea bags because there's nothing you know and 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 it, and it is that sort of you know uh, that that's the sort of sort of treadmill that you're 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 going on at that at, at the start of it. And um, Dublin has a fairly vibrant uh, startup community, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, and it's it's fascinating to watch how it's developed over the last 10 years. Uh, so uh, 10 years ago, you had, uh, you know, you had a very small, nascent startup community in Dublin. Uh, and you had uh, people like Eamon Leonard, uh, who's actually now back doing another startup, hosting events in, in various places around the city. And that that's sort of grown to a point where, well, you can you can do it on Zoom during the lockdown, but uh, but 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 pre lockdown, you could be at an event every night of the week in Dublin, and probably multiple events, and they would range from technology events around machine learning and AI and data analytics to generic startup events. Uh, you can meet with founders. A, a colleague of mine, David Scanlon, ran Startup Grind for for about four years. He interviewed about forty one uh, founders over that period. Um, so you would have all of those events and, and, and the ability to see examples, meet people, learn from people and, and have that access to people is, 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 is fantastic. It's phenomenal. Yes, I think uh, the events and the events are addressing not just uh, one segment of the uh, of, of the startups uh, uh, team. You've got the founder level kind of events, this sort of entrepreneurial events. You've also got the technology communities coming together. Yeah, and so you, ha- I mean, you have them. You have technology communities coming together out of uh, out of a lot of the FDI companies uh, that are in Dublin. So yes, there's a lot of uh, sales and marketing uh, roles in, in a lot of the FDI companies. But you have companies like Workday and Amazon and others that have hundreds, in this case, not thousands of of of, of engineering staff actually building product and building core technology uh, out of Ireland. So, um, yeah, so that there's, 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 and what's really interesting is where those, where those groups uh, overlap. So you'll have people who will come out of some of those companies and, and, and start their own companies. Yes, and they've tapped into, they've got a social network, and you've got the same for product managers. You've got the same for user experience. Yeah. Yeah, so you've all, 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 all you know, so you have, you have, you have all the different groups have, have, have events and, and, and conferences. So like you've UXDX for, uh, on, on the UX side. Uh, you've, you've, you know, you have security, you have technology streams and, and, and various things. And then you have, and then you have overlap as well between things where, where people are mixing in and out of those groups. So, uh, you know, I, I, I will go to a mix of stuff that is sort of investor related, but also te- technology related. Because quite often that's where you'll actually find founders. Uh, is, is people who are actually either product managers or or, or engineers or in, in, in companies who are thinking of doing their own thing. So from the first, let's say, era of FDI, high-tech FDI in Ireland through the 80s and 90s, and really these enterprises, usually US-backed and based, were silos and self-contained communities. But today, I think it's a much more open, fluid, and interlinked community of people across all the layers of a company's function you, you you don't see people uh not letting their engineers out to talk to other engineers <laughs> well you can't keep them in right uh because they're you know that's 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 the nature of the uh, of of the beast and it's also the nature of uh of the environment right so the environment is much more open and you know so people are sharing things on twitter or instagram or snapchat or, or wherever they're actually congregating so there's those you know there's those ad hoc groups and communities and things as well uh, so it's 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 hard to prevent it, um, uh, and nor would you want to. Is it a kind of uh, fervent uh, hotbed, really, for new ideas and for a recombination of ideas? And is that where innovation is coming from? I think. Look, it's coming from it's coming from all sorts of places. I think one of the really interesting things I, I 
I, and I don't, I haven't really seen this commented on, is that immigrants are re, a really important driver of in, innovation in Ireland, right? Both through uh, coming here and doing PhDs uh, and driving research, but also as founders of companies. So I would say that maybe 40%, 30 to 40% of the companies I would have invested in in, in in the last couple of years would have had a co-founder who, who's, who was born abroad and came to Ireland. And they are French, Romanian, Canadian, Egyptian. So they're, they're from, from American, they're from all races and nationalities. Some of them came here to work in, in, in large multinationals. Uh, some of them came here, you know, uh, to, 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 to work in smaller companies. But that's a really interesting group of people uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of appetite for risk. So somebody who's already moved country has a higher appetite for risk potentially than somebody who hasn't. So, uh, and, you know, people talk about that in relation to the US and Silicon Valley and all the companies that have been created there by, by immigrants. And nobody thinks of Ireland as an immigrant country, right? So 70% of people who live here were born abroad. It's, that's higher as a percentage than the US or the UK. And I think that's a really important driver because what, what that does is it, it... So I grew up in, in, in an Ireland that was a monoculture. Uh, it was a uh, white, Catholic, sort of rural, urban, sort of very fairly conservative country. And that's, that's changed phenomenally over the last 20 years. Uh, and I think immigration has been a really healthy part of it. And I think that that is contributing to, to, our, to our innovation ecosystem here as well. Perhaps we're also seeing a, a, a shift, an a inflection point in that solving essentially one of the problems of STEM enterprises and that it, that it wasn't diverse, that now these startups are intrinsically diverse. Uh, yeah, and look... So it's getting better, but there is a look. There's a there's a general diversity problem, right? I think, and we see, we see this sometimes in in terms of gender. So you know, we talk about female founders, and one of my colleagues at the moment is running a female founders pre accelerator up in Donegal with a, a, a dozen founders. Some of whom are the, the the key is that they're they're from Donegal, so some of them are based around the country, some of them are based internationally. Uh, and that's again driving female entrepreneurship as as one dimension. And then we think about it in terms of 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 diversity of race, diversity of of, of sexual orientation, and other things. So so there are a number of dimensions. Uh, one thing we probably haven't talked about is 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 diversity of social class. I would say that probably if you looked at it, one of the challenges is it is easier for a person from a wealthy background to start a company than it is from a um, from a poor background. And the, and the reason is the uh, support structures uh, in terms of being, you know, we, uh, look, we founders who talk about being able to live with their parents for, for, for two years while getting things off the ground. And it's not even, it's not even necessarily wealthy. It's just having, have, having those support structures in place. The, the founder of one of our companies talked openly in an interview how his father paid his mortgage for a year. So there was three of them. They were running out of money. They subsequently raised. They raised nearly twenty million. And the companies uh, has made some phenomenal strides. But at one point, he couldn't pay the mortgage, and his father paid the mortgage for a year. And not everybody has those resources. Uh, not everybody has those resources, right? So, so you know, so that's that. That's an important uh, consideration as well. That's an interesting area I hadn't thought of. Um, and again, I think we can take an adage from uh, diversity itself: see it, be it. And if we see more people given the support and succeeding yeah i think so in terms of in terms of having a role model so understanding that you know uh, somebody like me can do something like this 
I think is, is, is critically important for a lot of people, you know, in terms of just just understanding that, you know, they can do it as well. And, and, it, and it gives permission, right? So sometimes people just need, you know, to understand that they have permission to go and, 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 and do these things. So you've talked about appetite for risk and, and we've talked about success, but success is a kind of unexpected and, and, and desirable outcome, but it's not the norm, is it? Failure is something we've got to get to grips with. <laughs> uh, yeah, and look, it's um, it, it's failure across a couple of different dimensions, right? So there's there's you know even even the most successful startup has multiple failures points in it. Now uh, the, the the quote is the uh, is the Samuel Beckett fail again, fail better, uh, which comes up again and again. That that's not really failure. That's learning, right? So that's essentially how we learn as humans. Nobody says that that you know a baby failed to walk for 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 six months. They, we talk about learning to walk, so there's a, there's a process of learning there, and and we need to distinguish between uh, sort of learning and an and actual failure. Failure is when the damn thing does, just doesn't work, right? No matter how hard you try, it doesn't work. Uh, and interestingly, I was discussing this on Twitter last night, and we were talking about the characteristics of founders, and one is persistence, and you need a certain certain sheer bloody mindedness to get through those periods. The challenges, the dark side, the counter side of that is not recognizing when it's time to stop. Uh, and, and that could be, you know, so you, you will have problems sometimes getting founders to stop. Yeah, the idea of a sunk cost and putting, you know, following money with money or time and effort and your, your motivation. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you need to step back. Yeah, and I suppose the aspects of, of failure are the sort of existential threat it, it, it raises and giving people some kind of support structure that normalizes it to an extent and as you say turns it you know values it as learning well a friend of mine does what's called startup wake has run a number of these startup wakes a guy called paul hayes and he runs a marketing company and he um uh, so essentially he brings in a founder and a founder and and they you know in one case they had a, they had a coffin and the founder talks about how this thing didn't work and uh, everyone shares a glass of whiskey and uh but it's actually a very healthy thing because we don't, it's a ritual, right? We have rituals around birth and we have rituals around transition periods in our lives. Uh, we have rituals around death because that's that's how we exist as humans, right? We don't have rituals around the death of companies or the death of, 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 of transition points in our life sometimes. Yeah, the idea of reflecting on and understanding the learning better. Failure isn't a failure for one thing and, and, and there are a lot of good things that could have come out of it and you need to sort of... Yeah, have a bit of banter, chat about it. Uh, the flounders. Tell me about the flounders. Uh, <laughs> that's Paul Hayes again. It's it's uh, it was it was a web summit thing that didn't. Uh, so uh, as part of web summit, uh, Paddy Cosgrave had this thing called Founders, uh, and there was uh, so this started in the early days of web summit, and it was a it, it was a ten thousand euro ticket to have a very nice meal in Trinity, meet Bono and a number of other people, and and, and meet sort of the elite. And uh, there's a couple of people didn't get tickets, so uh, and, and 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 started a dinner at the back of it, and the whole idea was for failing founders, and it became a it became a a joke. But Paul actually then ran it every year in conjunction with Web Summit. Uh, the last one in Dublin was in the Killarna, the boat down on the Liffey. There's probably about three hundred people there, and then he's 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 held it down in Portugal since. No, not not quite sure what he's going to do this year. Uh, I'm sure he will figure out something. But the whole idea was for founders who are failing. You know, and it, it's it's it was it was a bit of a laugh and a bit of humor as much as anything else as 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 a as a side event to uh to, to the main founders founders piece. 
Yeah, a good bit of uh, it's it's funny, it's interesting though too, because you do get people prepared to talk and share. This kind of tears the the band aids off and pulls the hair off with it. Bit of skin to share that and uh, learn from it. Yeah, and it's it's I'm not sure that it, that it's that as Irish culture doesn't like failure as as much as what's happened historically. What I would describe is we had a situation where we had a pie of a certain size. You getting a bigger piece of pie meant I get a smaller piece of pie. That, 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 that I think was our cultural history, right? And it explains an awful lot. When I was looking at um, doing my own MBA a number of years ago, look, I ended up reading a lot of history as part of it. And you understand uh, sort of the, sort of the, the, the mindset. And it's a, a post-famine, resource-constrained mindset. And it fed itself into a certain sort of mercantile culture as well. We have to, so what we have to do is we have to shift the mindset around into forget about figuring out not just how we divide the pie. We're actually much better as a society now at dividing the pie. So if you look at the Gini coefficient in terms of at salary point and post redistribution, we're fat, fanta- much better than most European countries post redistribution. So uh, we, we're good at distributing the wealth. But one of the things to me, and one of the, one of the one of the things we need, to, why we need to invest in startups is um, is we need to grow that pie. Right. We need to grow the, the wealth, the overall wealth of the nation needs to be larger so that there's more to go around rather than figuring out how to how to how to better divide a smaller set of resources. Let's grow the overall thing and then figure out how to how, how to share that out at the same time. And, and startups are a key part of actually growing that. Yeah, I was thinking the um, the change in Irish industry and in Irish enterprise in uh, all forms of commerce and trade. Uh, has gone from this kind of mentality of the early 1900s where uh, you had controls and tariffs and the government held, you know, essentially controlled all, all goods in and out of the country. Ireland's an open traded economy now and it benefits from globalization. And you get this kind of, I presume it's, it's tapping into the positive feedback loops that occur when trade occurs, when you, you trade internationally, you get goods you trade goods back and it becomes this kind of uh positive feedback cycle of uh, and 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 that's that's the future isn't it for a small country resource constrained yeah so look i think you know uh i was i was i was i was writing a blog post recently that uh, I'll, i'll post some stage in the next couple of weeks and saying look our, our most important resource for the future one of our most important resources for the future is imagination and uh, the ability to create and i think Sometimes we we undervalue the artistic side in our history, in terms of um, the importance of that for 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 creation of of new things. We have some unique resources here. You know, we we have a unique culture. So in in a in in a globalized monoculture where everything is TikTokized, having unique sources to draw on will be important for points of differentiation. And we we've we've lost a lot of that. Uh, one of the I I picked up a book called during the week called Thirty Two Words for Field by Mac and Mangan, a friend of mine. Uh, again, an architect designer uh, recommended it to me. Uh, and it's you know it's you know they, like we have a word for field where the cows sleep at night. We have a word for field for you know the, so all of these different things. So so those historical resources are things that we will draw on in the future. Uh, in terms of combination with other things to 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 to, to create uh, uh, to create new things for the future for ourselves and for others, I think that's a really positive note to end my interview with you. Um, 
and and look forward to hearing more about the potential for media, music, games, and cultural industry to drive the next generation of startups. I, I and I, I think so. I think look, I think that's a you know, uh, we have world class gaming, we have world class animation, filmmakers, and other things in here. Uh, and I think it's it's how we combine a lot of those things in the future is going to be really really interesting. Well, thank you, Dermot. Thanks, Alan.